Hey, this is Chris. Hope you're doing well and welcome to Popcorn Finance, the show where we discuss finance and about the time it takes to make a bag of popcorn. Uh, back in episode 260, I answered a question that came in from April, who had a, a really great credit score, but she felt that she needed to get her score even higher. And this concern isn't unique just to her. I felt exactly like this, and I wanted my score to be as high as possible just because that's what we're taught to care about. You got to have a high credit score. You got to have a perfect credit score. But really, having a perfect credit score really comes with no no rewards whatsoever. So that's why when I came across this tweet from today's guest, I knew I had to have him on. So I'd like to welcome to the show Kevin Matthews II, best-selling author, investing expert, and founder of Building Bread. Kevin, how's it going? Going pretty well. How are you? I'm doing good. I appreciate you hopping on here with me. Yeah, thank you. You're, you're out there tweeting on the internet. I came across it and it, it just hit me when I saw it. And I think I messaged you right, right after <laughs> right after I read this tweet. I was like, I think this might be a good podcast episode. Uh, this is what you wrote. 62% of millionaires have their net worth in IRAs or 401ks and taxable investment accounts. And then of the remaining 38%, 28% is split between cash and real estate. And 10% is just other. Knowing that, why in the world do y'all keep choosing a perfect credit score when compared to cash or any other true asset? So I want to know, what what was bothering you, Kevin? When, <laughs> <laughs> what was bothering you in life when you when you decided to post this tweet? Man, these internet streets be getting on my nerves. <laughs> so, for, for those who have somehow missed it, there is an infamous zombie argument that keeps rising its head like, every five weeks and it's would you take a perfect credit score versus some ridiculous amount of money sometimes a thousand dollars or sometimes a hundred thousand dollars sometimes a million dollars and for some reason there is always a group of people that always choose a perfect credit score as if it is some (laughs) i don't know some infinity gauntlet magical tool that like solves all of your issues and that ain't what it does that's not what it does at all No, okay. I've seen these tweets going around too. I just assumed they were like a joke, but people are serious about this. Like they're 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 really like I think this is a hard decision for people to make. Yeah, yeah. There are a lot of people that really force themselves into weird argument boxes where it's like, well, if this, 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 and this happens, I can get a huge loan with this credit score and then go buy whatever it is I want to buy. I'm like, but you could have just did it with that cash. <laughs> you could have also just did it there, right? But yeah, I think sometimes we we try to overthink things. But I think what we really do is not understanding what a credit score is. And I think we've kind of, we try to oversimplify stuff. Kind of like a GPA. Like, oh, if your GPA was 4.0, you are automatically smart. That's not how it works either, right? <laughs> but that's kind of what we've, we've kind of made credit scores out to be. Okay, so I'm clearly on your side of this where, yes, I think having a perfect credit score is completely overrated and it's not not needed. But for those of people out there listening who may be like, hey, well, I feel differently. I maybe I think a credit score has it has a huge weight when it comes to my financial life. Tell us from your point of view, like why you have that stance of there's other things that are a bigger deal for your finances than just your credit score. It falls within maybe the top 10 financial priorities. It wouldn't be my top three, but I would put it somewhere between four and 10. And the reason is there are some serious limitations of what you can and cannot do with that credit score. Number one, it can only go up, but so high. My bank account has no limits on how much can go in it. <laughs> I have no limits on how high my 401k can grow. So that's number one. It's not something that can be inherited or passed down. My credit score is my credit score. My kids are going to have theirs. And that's just the end of it. 
But again, the real estate that I own, the money that's in my bank account, the money that's in my 401k, I can transfer all of that stuff and it can compound on top of that for the next generation. And then lastly, just because you have the credit score, yes, it can make your interest rates cheaper to borrow, but it ain't free. Like I still have to pay for that regardless <laughs> of what true. it is I'm borrowing that money for. And you have to discount that when you're talking about the, the profits that you're making from whatever it is you're using that credit score for. The one that really got me, because I don't think we're taught to think of credit scores this way, is that it's not a score of how good you are with all aspects of your financial life. It's literally solely isolated on how good you are at borrowing money and paying it back. And that's it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we put all this other weight on all this other importance as if if I have an 850 credit score, that means I'm just good at everything. I'm a great investor. I'm a great saver. I got great uh, my health, my health and life insurance is set up great. Like I'm great at everything when really that's not what it means at all. Right. Right. And, And imagine, too, like you can have a perfect credit score. Right. And have zero money in the bank. <laughs> and that, like I think a while back, I said like, you know, you can have a perfect credit score and be broke. Yeah. And right. Like there are a lot of people <laughs> that, yeah, my, my credit is perfect. I got this, this and this. And like, yeah, but do you have emergency savings? No. Do you invest your money? No. And that's just it. Right. It's just like a GPA. Like it is worth a lot in certain circumstances. When you're applying to school, that first job that you get out of college, if if you even decide to go to college, that's when it's really, really, really important. Outside of that, when I go to, to eat or at a restaurant, nobody care about my credit score. They care about, like, <laughs> do you have money to pay for this meal, right? <laughs> and like, after what, my second job out of college, nobody's ever asked me what my GPA is. They don't care. No, no like they, they don't. And that's the thing. It, it is very small circumstances. I wouldn't say small. There are very specific circumstances. And when it matters a lot, and then once you pass it, nobody cares anymore. That's 100% true. I remember I kept my GPA on my resume for so long. And I was like, why is this on here? Nobody even cares anymore. No one's ever once asked me a question about this this number on this resume. Yeah, it's unless you're applying to grad school or you just finished college or whatever, that, that's the only time people ever use it. <laughs> All right. I think you've explained it. You made a great argument for why the credit score is not the end-all, be-all number when it comes to your finances for you. What are the things you focus on? So I know you think about this stuff a lot. Like you, you've you've created so much content. You, I think you spend a lot of time really thinking deeply about uh, your financial life and and how to make the most of it. So for you, what are the areas you focus on if it's not your credit score? Yeah, so I, I focus on on three primary areas, and I, I talked about this in my book where we just tailor it down and say it's savings, investing, and protecting. So we call it the SIP system, and those are the three major areas in your financial life that you need to take care of. And I would venture to say that ninety nine point nine percent of all financial instruments and products and all that stuff out there is going to fall in one of these three buckets. So savings, we talk about this all the time. That's your emergency savings, your investments. You want to make sure that your money is going to work. You might have a nine to five. Your money needs a nine to five too. (laughs) (laughs) So you want to make sure that money is working. And then the protection piece, that's where we talk about like health insurance, life insurance, and the things you should have in place to protect the wealth that you've built. After that, yeah, maybe you throw in credit score or whatever else comes after that. But those are the three primary pillars that I, I see are the most important for people. 
I think that's a great way to frame it. Like that's that's your foundation. That's what you're building everything off of right there. That's what's going to have the biggest impact. Don't ignore your credit score, but you know, you don't have to elevate it and put it on this pedestal like it's going to change everything about your life if you have this great credit score. So I think that's a right. great perspective to have. Thank you so much for coming on here and, and really breaking this down. I think even if you were on the fence of like, you know, I think credit scores are okay, but I don't care that much. But I think this now really puts it all in perspective and I think makes us all have a more healthy view of the credit score and the role it plays and how how highly <laughs> we should think of it. So before we get out of here, I, I, I always like to ask our guests, like, what's going on with you? Where can people reach out to you if they want to ask you more questions and maybe even dig deeper into your your philosophy on the other areas of your financial life? Yeah. So you can find me on all things social media. I'm very conversational. I love talking to people in the comments, uh, even when we agree and disagree. <laughs> so you can find me um, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok and public all at Building Bread. You can learn more about me, my background and what I do at buildingbread.com. All right. Perfect. And then also I was looking back here. I think I now I didn't want to let you leave without talking about this <laughs> on my bookshelf here. I have a book here. It's, it may be backwards on the screen. It's called From Burning to Blueprint, Rebuilding Black Wall Street After a Century of Silence. By look, Kevin Matthews right there on the bottom. So <laughs> I know you're being being humble and modest. You didn't you made me didn't want to throw anything else in there, but tell us a little bit about this book before you get out of here. Yeah, so that's the book I, I just finished earlier this year. It talks about building generational wealth, but it also talks about the history of Black Wall Street, which is where I'm from. I'm from Tulsa, Oklahoma. And it was really a research project for me, but also a really a therapeutic experience to talk about like what happened in my hometown, why are things the way that they are, what was the history of the Tulsa Race Massacre, but also how do we rebuild and what is the blueprint that we should move forward to ensure that everyone has economic opportunities and that I can make sure that my kids and my kids' kids are going to be better off financially than than what my the generation previous was experiencing. So we talk about the SIP system. Uh, you don't, We don't talk about credit scores. <laughs> <because> <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we, we, we talk a little bit about it, but those are those are the the non-tangible things that I can't translate. I can't grow on. Um, so I wanted to make sure that we have a blueprint to rebuild Black Wall Street and the importance of that event and what we should do moving forward. All right. Well, I'm going to make sure I put a link to this in the show notes for everybody as well. If you want to check out the book and then also links to all your social handles and where they can reach out to you. So I, I appreciate you coming on. I, I, I knew I was going to love having this conversation with you. And uh, I was right. It was a great conversation. And it was great having you on. Thank you. appreciate it. And I want to say big thanks to all of you for coming back and joining me here again for another episode. If you want to keep up on what's going on with the podcast, come over and join me on Instagram. You can find me at Popcorn Finance Podcast. As always, I appreciate you joining me here for another bag of popcorn. I hope you have an amazing rest of your week and I'll talk to you soon. Yeah, boy, keep it popping like Mary Poppins.